It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. A few days ago, I was checking up on our YouTube channel, which we post most episodes of this show, plus our second show, This Hits the Spot on YouTube, so that you can watch us if you're not currently watching us. Some people enjoy seeing expressions, and I think it's especially special when we have guests on the show because you get to see them, and there's just a deeper connection you can make with people. Plus, you know, to be honest... There's also a marketing benefit to it where people sometimes discover us through YouTube. And that's happened with a few of our podcast episodes. And I believe one of them drew in this one viewer or listener, and they said something to the effect of, this was really great information aside from all the profanity. What a shame. And it, you know, I think it was worded slightly differently than that, but they were basically shaming us for using profanity. And then I realized, hmm, I don't know if I've marked or if I even could mark the show as explicit as we do on the actual podcast. So maybe YouTube doesn't quite offer, to my knowledge, the same types of warnings. And, you know, to be fair, some people do not want to speak or hear profanity. And that's the reason why there is something like an explicit rating to give people a heads up. And it's an interesting thing because I feel some mixed emotions around this. And behind the scenes, I don't know why Jason is laughing so hard. He is... I can't wait to hear his reaction. Maybe we'll show this in the um, the YouTube version so you can see Jason cracking up over whatever he's finding very funny about this subject. He's delighted by it, perhaps because it it irritates him. I'm not sure. We're about to find out. But I will wrap up my thoughts by saying, I'm not someone who swears that much, but I like the freedom to swear. I like the freedom to express myself however I would choose. I tend to be a bit politically correct, Because despite the title of the show, I don't really enjoy making people uncomfortable. In fact, I strive to make others uncomfortable, even at the expense of my own discomfort or the expense of my comfort. Anyways, I guess that's probably why I don't lean towards swearing that much. But occasionally I do. And people are generally surprised like, oh my gosh, Whitney, I have never heard you say that word before is a common reaction that I get. And I do, in fact swear from time to time. Not quite as much as Jason. So when we got this comment on YouTube, Jason said, well, I am willing to bet that I was the one who used the profanity that offended this person. So with that said, Jason, what is making you laugh so hard about this subject matter? I'm laughing because whoever makes these comments, well, first of all, for you to say it's a shame that there's so much profanity... To that, I say, do your fucking research. Do your fucking research, people. And here's what I mean by that. And here's why I'm laughing. I was watching Whitney 
probably six months ago, a YouTube video, fantastic, fantastic YouTube video interview that we will link to in the show notes at our website, which is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Anything we mentioned today, the research, the YouTube videos, the books, any supplementary materials for you to dive a little deeper, dear listener or dear viewer on YouTube, if you are watching my delighted reactions on our YouTube channel. We'll have all of those in the show notes and the transcript for this episode at wellevator.com. That being said, Whitney, I was watching this YouTube video with a guy. I really like his energy. He's a billionaire investor that I first became familiar with through the documentary we saw. We watched so many documentaries on social media and The name of it is escaping me because I feel like I'm just lost in a sea of documentaries. But what was one of the bigger documentaries that we we did a whole episode around it here? And my brain is blanking because we did a few of them. It wasn't about it wasn't childhood 2.0. It wasn't fake famous. What was the big one around social media that came out last year? The Social Dilemma. Thank you. Social Dilemma. So he was in The Social Dilemma. They had a clip of him because he's a former employee in the early days of Facebook. And I really, I apologize if he's ever listening to this, I'm going to struggle with your last name, but he's, he's a billionaire investor. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Social Capital. His name is Chamath Palihapitiya. I apologize. I'm really struggling with the last name, but Chamath had this great interview on YouTube where He talked about this, Whitney, where people were taking umbrage with how much he swears on stage. And he's an incredibly intelligent, deeply insightful, evocative person who talks about the implications of our mental health, our societal health and social media and how social media has been intentionally engineered to capture our attention and increase divisiveness in humans. Okay, so all of that said. Chamath was referencing research in his interview in this YouTube clip of people taking him to task for using profanity. And he's like, well, I use profanity because I'm fucking smart. And people are like, what do you mean? Well, dig this. There are three different articles, one on NPR, which is an audio article, one on sciencealert.com. And the one that I'm about to reference is on discovermagazine.com. And the title of the article, which came out last year in 2020, worried about swearing too much? Science says you shouldn't be. People who swear like a sailor are more honest and more intelligent people, studies show. Oh, interesting. Well, then maybe, dear listener, are you threatened by my honesty? Are you threatened by my intelligence? Curiously, we go into this, right? Scientifically speaking, a penchant for profanity does not seem to be a bad thing. Studies have shown that swearing relieves stress, dulls the sensation of pain, fosters camaraderie among your peers, and is linked to traits, Whitney, like verbal fluency, openness, and emotional honesty. And the effects of cursing and using profanity are physical as well as mental. There was a 2018 study in psychology of sport and exercise that found by letting out a few choice profane words during a workout can actually help make you stronger. Holy shit. Yes, in this study, participants who cursed aloud verbally while gripping a heavy weight or a hand vice were able to squeeze and lift harder and longer. That's fascinating. Really, that's fascinating. Goes on, because I'm going to send it back to you, Whitney, but there's a 
Professor Emeritus of Psychology. His name is Timothy Jay. He's at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts. And he says that humans partly developed, he believes, taboo language and profanity specifically as an emotional release valve. Interesting. He says, there's a point where it's just more efficient to say, fuck you, than it is to hit somebody, adds Jay, a world-renowned expert in profanity. He says, we're evolved, humans are very evolved in this very efficient way to vent our emotions and convey them to others through language. Really, really interesting. Here's another one real quick, because I want to back this up with all the research for the people who might still be doubting me. In 2009, at Keele University in the UK, their school of psychology set out to study whether swearing alters someone's perception of pain based on previous assumptions that swearing was a, quote, maladaptive response to pain. The scientists guessed that swearing would make the pain feel worse. But surprisingly, the scientists found that swearing increases an individual person's pain tolerance. The team asked 67 volunteers with plunging their hands in ice-cold water for as long as they could handle it while repeating a swear word of their choice. Then they did the experiment again, but this time the students said a neutral, non-profane word. Then the research team found that the volunteers were able to keep their hands submerged in ice-cold water longer while repeating the swear word. Damn, Whitney, this is fucking cool. This might be one of the coolest episodes we've done. This is fucking cool shit. It is. And you know what? This is a great article. There's there's more research studies on this, Whitney, than I even thought possible. Like, there's multiple research studies on this. Now, since you swear less than I do, like, that's established. I use profanity a lot more frequently than you do. Is that something you feel is a result of, say, the household or the family you grew up in? Or it's just something you are mindful and prefer, like you said, to not do at the risk of making someone uncomfortable. Like, I'm curious, why do you think you swear less than I do? (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you brought up, again, this idea of comfort, because something else I was reminded of as we were talking about this is a video I sent you by Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk, and he was talking about why he continues to curse even when some people ask him to stop. And I think some people believe that it's getting in the way of his message. But I was very inspired seeing that video because even though I don't agree with everything that Gary V recommends and does and says, I do really respect him. And he's done, he's known for being ahead of the curve in terms of social media and marketing and and just very wise. So I look to him often for what's next. You know, he's the reason, for example, that I got on TikTok and a lot of people got on TikTok, right? So anyways, he does great TikTok videos and he often summarizes his responses to people, especially in public speaking settings. And I'll link to this video in the show notes. It's a 60 second video or 56 seconds video that we'll put in the show notes at wellevator.com. And he explains spoiler alert, that the reason that he continues to curse is because that's where he feels comfortable. That's how he authentically expresses himself. And he's holding true to that. And I think he makes this point that if he didn't curse, if he censored himself, that it wouldn't be authentic. And I think that is such a brilliant response to this because censorship in general 
keeps us from full expression of ourselves. Now, perhaps there are different reasons. And of course, you could train yourself and maybe not every characteristic of your personality is beneficial to others. And maybe you could argue that it gets in the way. For example, the fact that we have an explicit rating on the show, I'm sure prevents some people from listening, from finding it. Maybe it changes the algorithm. Like, There's likely things that work against us, but I would rather that we reach the right people that are okay with the full expression of who we are, then try to please people because I have tried for many years as a people pleaser to please people. And yet I still end up in the same place where I'm not really content with who I'm reaching if it's not true to who I am. Now, going back to your question about why I don't swear, which I think is what you were asking. It's partially because of how I was raised. You know, I have parents that, especially my mom, tends to be a bit on the traditional side of things. She's a very liberal, political person, but yet conservative in a lot of her values. And religion certainly played a role, even though my mother does not really consider self religious, as I've spoken about on, on episodes, religion certainly has woven itself into her life and thus my life. And she was not okay with profanity. And it was mostly out of a sign of respect and also like being proper, I suppose. Like my mother really wanted my sister and I to be like proper women, you know, like she was very, my mother, for example, loved people like Princess Diana and Jackie Kennedy and like all these kind of like, very posh women who, you know, were beautiful and elegant and all of that. You know, I think, I don't think my, my mom had either of us go to, um, whatever that training is where like you go in often at hotels, will bring in girls to like show them how to hold their forks and eat properly and all that stuff, like manners training or whatever it's called. I didn't do that. I don't think my sister did, but my mom would have loved it if we had, you know, like she always wanted to dress us in like high quality clothes and stuff, you know, it was like an important value to her. So teaching us and encouraging us not to swear, curse, use profanity was just part of my upbringing. And even though I'm a lot more liberal minded than my mother and don't feel like I need to abide by what she believes in, especially now as an adult, you know, when you're raised that way, you become used to not swearing. My parents now, I think they swear a little bit more openly, but growing up, they rarely swore. I remember like hearing my dad, I don't know if it was, he's definitely yelled like, fuck you to strangers. And I was like, oh my, like my sister and I were like, I can't believe our dad just said, like, we've seen just a few times our dad gets so mad that he has said that, like, you know, in the parking lot or something. And he's, or he'll give someone the middle finger. My sister and I are like, oh my God, did you see what dad just did? And we'll talk about it for years, you know, like, that's how big of a deal it is, right? My mom, it's funny because she'll say that too when she gets heated. And so to your point, Jason, like, I think it's more common as adults. As kids, I don't have much of a recollection. Maybe they did it and I just didn't really notice. Maybe they tried not to do it around us to set an example. I'm not sure. But certainly they do that. And I think they've probably evolved since I was little too. But it stands out is my point. Like when my parents swear, 
as an adult, I'm still a little taken aback by it because it's not part of the way that they express themselves. And I think similarly, people are taken aback when I swear because that's not typically how I express myself. It's uncomfortable because it feels just different, unlike Gary Vee, where he's very comfortable in cursing. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I, it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like I feel like out of practice and generally just like my parents, when you hear me swear, it's to your point, Jason, coming out of a place of like release, like deep frustration is generally, or like anger or like when I feel wronged or you know, I'll say like little phrases or something. And it's just like, but I don't, I also don't like deep down mean them a lot of the times. And I think that's another element of this that I want to explore is like, there's an energy often behind cursing. You know, there's, I think it makes me uncomfortable because I associate with that with like anger or hatred or like things that we say to people that Maybe we don't really mean. So I'm trying to be very conscious of what words I use in general. But also, like, it feels kind of cruel. Like, that's my association, especially when it comes with an intense energy. It's like scary to me, you know? And maybe I learned over time to like rein that in because I don't want to scare other people or offend them, right? Like, even that YouTube comment that I started off this episode with, like, there's part of me that's like, oh, darn, like we lost this person because we swore like I wish we could have kept them around. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, but if they don't accept us for the fullness of who we are, then they're just not in alignment with us, truly, versus us trying to like, oh, my gosh, we offended someone. Let's never swear again on the show. Let's like bleep things out on YouTube. Let's, you know, let's protect ourselves. Let's try to please others and make sure that we can attract more listeners in. But are they going to be sustainable listeners? Are they people that appreciate us on that deeper level that we want? Probably not. And that's why it's not worth it. I think that the energy and the intent behind the words that we use means more to me than the word itself. Because I can think about a litany of, quote, profane or potentially offensive words, and I think about the context in which they're used, context, intention, and energy. These are the three I want to talk about when it comes to language. Because There's actually a phenomenal video I want to link to in our show notes that I just thought of, Whitney. There's a spiritual teacher and author that's – he's controversial for a litany of reasons. He was featured in a Netflix documentary, docuseries called Wild Wild Country. Uh, His name is Osho. And Osho has a really great YouTube video about the complexity, diversity, and usage of the word fuck. It is phenomenal. It's a phenomenal video. We'll link to that YouTube video in our show notes at wellevator.com. Again, our website is W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And to paraphrase, it was hilarious because he went through all of these usages of the word, right? And you think about if we use the word as an example, the, we use the word fuck. I'm going to go there. Like 
It can be used to express ecstasy, like if you're making love or having sex, that's a very different intention and usage of that word, as opposed to sometimes maybe you are exalted over a certain success in your life. You're like, this is fucking amazing, right? Different usage and intention than lovemaking. Or if I stub my toe walking into the kitchen on my coffee table, and I'm like, ah, fuck, that hurts. Very different usage and intention. Or like your dad, which I probably road rage more, way more frequently than your father does, you know, someone cuts me off in traffic and I'm like, ah, fuck that guy. This word, as an example, is, I think, neutral. I think the energy of it is neutral. The context, the usage, and the energy in which we are implementing and using that to communicate varies greatly. Now, I'm not saying every single word is like that, but I do think a lot of words, in fact, maybe most of the words in language, arguably, we could say have an inherently somewhat neutral meaning. Not all, because I know some people might challenge me on this, but if you really go down to it, we can use a lot of words in our language, Whitney, with very different contexts, energy, and intention behind them. It really is dependent. So when people are like, don't use profanity, I'm like, well, what is the context and the energy and the intent in which you're asking me not to use it? Do you not want me to use it when I'm angry? Do you not want me to use it when I'm exalted and celebrating? Do you not want me to use it when I'm making love? Like, My thing is when people are the language police, I get very triggered, Whitney, because oftentimes they're making a blanket statement of don't use that word ever in any context. And I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to use it however I please. (laughs) I think it's important to get specific about you can take a word and depending on the inflection, the energy, how you're using it, how you're directing it to someone can be extremely painful and damaging to a person versus using it in a context that might be more playful. Again, there are probably other words that people might challenge me and say, no matter the context, they're bad. But if we're talking about profanity, I don't know. I, it's funny, like you mentioned your, your childhood, your upbringing. And I remember, <laughs> I remember being very little and using profanity because I heard the adults in my family using it, Whitney. And I think that I enjoyed using it because I saw the charge that it got out of the adults around me, right? If I use the word, whatever word it was, and I saw their reaction to it, it made me more intrigued to use that language because their reaction to it was like, oh, Jason, don't say that word. And I'm like, where do you, you know, my little brain, I'm like, where do you think I got the word from? You know, and so that made me want to use it even more because being the rebellious person that I am, right? I would hear the adults using it, but then they're like, you can't use it which made me want to use it more because I rebelled against them saying, do as I say, not as I do, which that approach in my life, I just want to get one thing clear. If people are wondering how I'm wired and where a lot of my rebelliousness comes from. It comes from that approach, Whitney, of people in my life saying not to do something and turning around and doing the exact damn thing they said for me not to do. And my whole attitude around that is like, I'm going to do it even more. (laughs) So that probably feeds my early usage as a young, young child of hearing those words and wanting to use them because they felt taboo and they felt, they felt naughty and adults would, would have this visceral reaction when I use them. So that made me want to do it. And I don't know, I guess going back to my origin story of profanity, it was used liberally in my family and that's probably where I picked it up. So there's another 2012 study that is from a journal called Communication Studies. This is interesting. 
And it says that beyond swearing's impacts on the body and mind, research has shown that swearing has an influence on our social dynamics. So this study, again, from Communication Studies, I think it's a magazine, found that swearing can enhance the effectiveness and the persuasiveness of an argument. Interesting. In addition, cursing can also convey an emotional reaction to something without us resorting to physical violence. After scientists in the study surveyed how often participants used profanity, they conducted a series of tests to determine how truthful an individual was. The research team found a positive link between profanity and honesty. Cursing was associated with less deception on an interpersonal level and higher levels of integrity in an individual overall. Fascinating. For many, the use of obscene language isn't just a sign of boorish behavior, a common assumption that people who swear lack vocabulary or intelligence or education. In other words, when language fails, we curse. This researcher, Jay, that I mentioned before said, it's a form of linguistic snobbery referring to the presumed link between swearing and lack of intelligence. It's a cultural stereotype, but the more I became sophisticated in language studies, the more I realized that every language scholar knows that that is not true. Okay, so to deconstruct this myth in 2015, he and his research team explored another policy, uh, possibility rather, that fluency is fluency regardless of linguistic content. The psychologists in the research study found that an individual's fluency in language was linked to fluency in swearing. Or in other words, swearing may actually be a sign of greater intellect and vocabulary and a more robust vocabulary in general. It's fascinating. It's fascinating to think about this. So that is really an interesting link, though, he, he describes in this, Whitney, where there is a cultural assumption that people who use profanity are less intelligent, less worthy of our, I don't know, praise. Like We basically, I think, think of people who swear a lot as lower class citizens. I think that's a reasonable assumption we can make how people perceive people who swear. And he's saying, according to the research, that is also not true. So it really is interesting. He says, people who are good at producing language are good at producing swear words. It's not because they don't have language. It's because they have a wide and diverse toolbox full of words. Well, props to Jay and his research team for that. I'm going to, I'm going to walk away from this conversation feeling even better about myself, Whitney, to be honest. (laughs) So if anybody calls me out for swearing, I'm just going to send them the links to these studies. Or just send them the link to this episode and say, here's it all broken down. And tell them to GTFO. (laughs) The fuck out of here. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I certainly figured the rebelliousness is part of it for you. And, you know... It's an interesting thing to look at the reasons why people do and say things. And that is something I wish more people would take into consideration because we tend to have a a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to things that offend us. But I've trained myself to, for the most part, not always, but I've trained myself to step back as soon as possible when I feel offended and ask myself why. In fact, you know, a minor example that's not really that connected to this, but like showed, gave me a good opportunity was the other day I I sent out a proposal for a new client 
and you know to spend all this time crafting it and figuring out how much I wanted to charge and sent it off and the client came back saying great everything looks really good but if you can do it for this rate you have a deal and it and it was a lower rate than I had pitched and like enough where I thought it's a little strange to me that they're trying to cut back on my rate and like my knee jerk reaction was to feel offended my knee jerk reaction was to feel disrespected, to feel like they didn't value me, that they didn't take me seriously. Like I got into my ego and my head about all this. And I thought, you know what? This is not urgent. I'm going to give myself time to reflect on how I'm feeling. And I think at least half a day went by before I responded because I, I just took the time and I didn't obsess over it. I didn't spend all day thinking about it. You know, in the past I would, in the past I would call up friends and ask them, what would you do and how do I handle this? And I thought, let me just practice stepping back and noticing how I feel offended and why I'm feeling offended and what are the roots and also asking myself, is what I'm feeling true? Is that what this person was intending? And that to me is so key because we often, mostly actually, I think most of the time we make assumptions and judgments and we get offended based on our experiences, our lens, our viewpoint, when that might not be the motivation behind why somebody says or does something. And it's not personal in most cases. It's not directed at us. The reason somebody swears is personal to them. It's built on all of these other reasons, the way that they were raised and how they're feeling and, and their IQ or what do they know or the research or what they've trained themselves to do or not do. And you know, we have this wonderful guest coming up soon named Eva, who talked about, am I pronouncing her name properly, by the way? Yes, you are. Okay, thank you. I stumbled there for a second. Speaking of respect, I was like, ah, oh, is it Eva? It's Eva. Okay. Um, yes, she's a wonderful guest. And, and in that episode, she talks about this. And, and you brought it up, Jason, about this lens in which we tend to react and, and make judgments and how she recommends that instead of, you know, getting all worked up about something, what if we just asked more questions of someone? Like, think about that YouTube comment. Like, what if instead that person chose to email us or message us or even write in a comment like, hey, I really enjoyed this episode. I noticed that you used a lot of profanity though, which I'm personally not comfortable with. May I ask why you speak that way or or why you don't edit it out? I mean, maybe you and I would like got felt a little defensive at first, but ultimately I think that would have been a really interesting thing to explore. And, and it certainly could have ended up in this episode anyways, but in a different context in which we felt like that person was leaning in and trying to better understand us and better understand the others. And that's generally why somebody's reaction to you tells you more about them than it says about you. Because to me, that person wasn't trying to understand us. That person felt like they were trying to force us to fit their model of life, to squeeze us into their viewpoints and their safe bubble and like force us into something that made them feel comfortable and safe. And it's like, hey, there's a reason this show is called This Might Get Uncomfortable. 
we're not aiming to make our listeners and our viewers feel comfortable all the time. In fact, we're challenging them. And we invite you to challenge us too. Certainly people will make us feel uncomfortable through some of their comments and reactions. But when I step away from it, I'm generally thankful for it. Just like Ultimately, I'm thankful that that person left the comment because that inspired this episode and that gave us a chance to talk about this and dig deeper into the research and really explore why we say these things. And we're not taking a defensive standpoint, we're exploring it. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons here is can we explore and become more curious about people who are different than us, who act differently, speak differently? express themselves differently. That to me would bring us more together and help us grow versus like rejecting or trying to change somebody to be more the way that we want them to be. Well, I think trying to change people and get them to be the way that we want them to be is a path to insanity and madness. And if someone is trying to do that as sort of like a strategy for life, I think that's a path to misery. I mean, think about trying to have everyone in your life conform to the way you think life ought to be. That sounds like a miserable experience. You know, the other point I want to make to Whitney, you brought up earlier. I don't know if when you were talking about these classes that you, you think your mom would have liked to have sent you and your sister to, I don't know if the word is etiquette training or etiquette classes. One thing that's always rankled my feather, ruffled my feathers, rankled me and ruffled my feathers over the course of my life is my perception of how I feel certain human beings use manners and etiquette almost as they would leverage a framework of ethics. Like if you do something that is out of their framework of etiquette or manners, it's almost like an ethical offense to their very being. You know, I've gone to dinners and I've I've hung around people and you know, there's a fine line, right? Because I always want to be very gracious and respectful of whatever host or whatever person is inviting me to an event or a dinner or whatnot. But over the years at friends' houses or or different events and things like that, I observed how enraged people would get at times if, say, the silverware was not arranged at the dinner table in a specific configuration. Or when I had my catering business or I was in chef school and I would notice these proclivities of manners and etiquette that people would get so offended by if these things were overlooked or not understood or not obeyed. Let me say that if etiquette and manners were not obeyed, because I feel like in in context of, of etiquette and manners, it's almost like people want you to obey Put the silverware this way. Don't put your elbows on the table. Don't chew with your mouth open. Don't blow your nose at the table. Fold your napkin a certain way. Be ladylike. Be gentlemanly. Okay, that's fine. But it's not an ethical affront to your existence if people ignore these things. Like That's the thing that etiquette and manners always got to me is I'm fine to respect them to a degree, but if you make them so serious and so dramatic and so dire that if someone doesn't do them, your world is shattered, that's when I'm like, nah, I'm sorry. This is where it ends for me. Like, I'm going to put my fork wherever I want to on the fucking table, okay? The fork will go where I please it to go. And if I rest my elbows on the table while I'm eating, that doesn't make me an awful human being. Newsflash. I'm not some pariah. 
you know, that's the stuff that got to me again, even as a kid, it was like, what do my elbows on the dinner table have anything to do with me being a good human being? Absolutely nothing. Where does the fork placement on the table have anything to do with me being a good human being? Absolutely nothing. So with all due respect to people who like are hardcore into manners and, and etiquette, that's fine, but it doesn't define the character of the person, whether they're doing it or not doing it. Okay. It just doesn't. So that's probably why I never did well at like, you know, cotillions or like, you know, getting invited to like, I don't know. I just remember like going to prom too in high school and all these things of like what you do at prom and how you behave at prom. And I just think it goes back to me, Whitney, to this rebelliousness that is at the core of my being, that if I feel like I have to be bound to a certain behavior or a certain way of being, or because I'm dressed a certain way, I ought to act a certain way. Every fiber of my being says, hell no, hell no. And you're going to see deliberate behavior from me going against the grain because I know it's going to make people uncomfortable. And I feel like like part of the reason we started this podcast, just I'm on a tear right now. I believe part of my mission here is to make people uncomfortable. I will talk to you about your dietary choices. I will talk to you about your ethics. I'll talk to you about your behavior. But if I get any semblance of people wanting me to conform or like you have to do it this way to be a good person, Jason, I'm like, there's the pier and it's very short and you can walk off of it. <laughs> I find that element fascinating because it seems like the opposite of me where as a hopefully recovering people pleaser, I tend to like, as I mentioned, try to do things that make people feel good or comfortable or please them, whatever, versus you tend to want to, you'll do that. It's not like you're trying to make people unhappy, but like the rebelliousness comes out, like you get triggered in the opposite way that I do, because I tend to try to, in those scenarios, like modify myself in a pleasing way. Whereas you are almost like modifying yourself in like a, well, now you've triggered me and I'm going to do everything I can to show you who's boss or dominate or or assert myself. You know, like it's kind of hard to verbalize, but I do see it as like an, an opposite type of reaction, which is fascinating. And it's almost like a tit for tat thing, do you think? Like you made me angry, so now I'm going to do something that makes you angry. You made me uncomfortable, so I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Or is it in that realm? I don't think it's a tit for tat. No, I don't think it's you made me angry. So I need to make you angry. I don't think that I'm that petty of a person. When I say that petty, I have my pettiness. I don't think I'm that petty. I think it's more when I observe someone is in a mode of you ought be this way. You ought act this way. You ought to show up in life because that is moral, ethical, and good. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about your definition. I have my definition of what I think is moral, ethical, and good. And how I wear my cummerbund and put my fork on the table and where my elbows are doesn't mean shit to me. Like, And it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not intentionally trying to push people's buttons or bring them misery or bring them pain. It's not about that at all, Whitney. It's, it's just, I see people's rigidness and I see their fixation on you ought to act this way and that's good, moral, and proper. And I go, I think you're full of shit. And I don't think that is how good, moral, or proper people ought to act. So I'm going to challenge your belief system by acting in a way that is contrary to what you believe because I disagree with it. And that has nothing to do with morality or goodness, nothing at all. 
So it's the subjugation and it's the way people want to put other people in cages and say, you should be this way. And I say, no, 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 no. Bullshit. So that's where it comes from. I'm not trying to make people angry. I'm not trying to like intentionally disrespect people. But when they're trying to manipulate people and act, you know, try and force them to be a certain way so they can be more comfortable, that's when I like find the soft spot and I just stick my finger right in it. Like that drives me crazy. Could that be a power grab? Maybe. I don't think it's about that. I think it's more like, ah, you person, you have very rigid ideas about right and wrongness. Let me just hammer on those ideas a little bit and show you your beliefs are kind of flimsy and not really all that solid. You know, that's really what it is, Whitney. I see a belief system. I go, "Mm, no, no, let me just hammer on that till it shatters a little bit. Whether it does or doesn't, I'm unattached to, but I automatically rebel against it. Like I can't even help it. I can't even help it. It's just an automated response where I'm like, I got to shatter your cage, bud. I got to shatter that cage. And you know what? For better or for worse, it's part of my makeup as a human being. And I like that part of myself. I do. Because I don't want people to walk around in their matrix of illusion about rightness and wrongness and proper ethics and improper ethics. And there's enough subjugation in the world between human beings. And I, I would prefer less. So I think that's my way of saying, you're not going to subjugate me and you're not going to subjugate anyone else. No, thank you. We're going to be how we are. And if it offends you, if if how I eat and act and <laughs> I remember one thing, this is so funny, I'm on a total tangent, but I remember years ago, someone I was dating, her sister made a comment about we were having dinner and there was like sauce at the bottom of the bowl. And I was, you know, scooping up the sauce on the bottom of the bowl with my spoon and enjoying it because it was really good sauce. It was like a curry or something, right? And there was a point where there was some at the bottom of the bowl and I, I took my hand. It was a clean hand, right? And I did this. I, they call it, you know, like my friends joke, it's like the Jason swipe, the Jason swoop. It took my fingers and I swooped the sauce on the bottom of the bowl and I like licked my fingers. And I got so much shit about being so awful from this person. So like, Oh, it's like I had shot the Pope. It's like I shot the fucking Pope. Like, oh my God, Jason, that's so disrespectful and that's so rude. And I'm like, great. Your opinion does not mean it's true. Like, I just did not, you know, and it it was a whole hullabaloo. Like, I had murdered a public official and that made me want to do it more. And I didn't stop because I'm like, this clearly triggers you and you think I'm like somehow have offended, you know, the United Nations by my curry sauce swooping so again you know opinions are like assholes everyone's got one it doesn't mean you're on some moral high ground because you don't swoop the curry at the bottom of your bowl it's just one example i just when people do that shit i just stick my finger even deeper literally into the bowl that's what i do whitney maybe that's a sign of antagonism that'll be our next episode is antagonism a side of intelligence because i'm a bit into i will admit i am a bit antagonistic in that regard Well, with that being said, we have all these incredible links to these studies we referenced about intelligence and profanity and vocabulary. We will link to all of these resources for you, dear listener or dear watcher, if you're enjoying this on YouTube, at our website. It's our main hub, wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We'll have the NPR link, the Science Alert, the Discover Magazine, the YouTube video with Shamath I referenced, all the things. If you are also a user of profanity and you want some research ammunition to tell the people in your life to shut the fuck up when you swear, <laughs> like I'll be doing. With that said, 
You can email us, whether you approve of our profanity or you don't. Either way, you can email us at hello at wellevator.com. You can shoot us a direct message on Instagram, Facebook, any of the social media platforms, and weigh in on your opinion about profanity and intelligence and whether you dig it. If you dig it, great. And if you don't, that's great too, because we're going to keep being ourselves. That is our commitment. No matter what, we're going to be as honest and real and authentic as possible with the awareness we have cultivated and the permission within ourselves to be ourselves we have cultivated. That is something we can guarantee on this podcast to you, dear friend. We will be ourselves as much as we are aware of who the hell we are. That's about it for now. Again, as a reminder, we've gone down to uh, two episodes a week. Mondays are our solo episodes with Whitney and myself, Jason Robel, and Fridays are our very special guests. We'd love to know if you want us to bring back the midweek Wednesday episode. If you don't give a shit, that's great too. Either way, let us know. We always want your opinion on things, whether or not we agree with them. (laughs) So that being said, I think it's dinner time. I'm looking forward to a nice pasta tonight, Whitney. What are you going to have for dinner as we're wrapping? What's your dinner plan for the t- for tonight? I am having impossible meat balls with Rayo's pasta sauce and perhaps a low-carb pasta, although I'm not sure I'm in the mood. My favorite low-carb pasta right now is Palmini, who makes um, Hearts of Palm pasta alternatives uh quite lovely very nice and in a good sauce and if you're interested in more of our product recommendations we talk about that on this hits the spot so that's a little sneak peek we've got a lot of cool things coming up so if you're ever curious what we eat what supplements we take what products we use in all facets of our lives and services and all that we talk about it there and we're very honest it's a lot of fun I felt like this episode was fun. So if you enjoyed this episode, we swear on this hits the spot as well. And we laugh and we're goofy and slap happy often. And we're generally raving about things. But every once in a while, I know I will mention things that I'm like, "Mm, I liked it. It didn't fully hit the spot, but I'm going to mention it. And maybe that'll be like a theme. Like maybe we'll... Again, we love your feedback. So do you want to hear us talk about things we don't like? <laughs> like I could tell you about all of the low-carb pastas I've tried in my explorations of vegan keto eating. And there are a lot of low-carb pastas that I really can't stand. So let me know if you want to hear them. We'll put it in this. It's the spot. We'll dedicate an episode to you, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. Or a Patreon supporter, which is also referred to as a patron. We'd like to give you little special perks and thank yous for your suggestions and everything that you do to support our shows. So thanks for all the fun today, Jason. And we'll be back with another episode in just a few days. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.